Welcome to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast with Sakar Kauli. During this program, you will hear guest experts sharing their experiences, best practices, and market insights. We discuss investing in multifamily apartment complexes and how a busy professional can passively invest hassle-free in various opportunities. Your host, Sakar Kauli, owns millions of dollars of assets and has done thousands of value-add projects over 20 years now. So listen in for insights. Here's your host, Sakar Kauli. Welcome to another edition of Premium Cashflow Podcast. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Omar Ruiz. Omar Ruiz is with Liriu Investments. Uh, it's a private uh, real estate syndication company. They have done several deals in Midwest and he has been active in the space, uh, believe me or not, since uh, more than 15 years now. Um, he, uh, is a, uh, he has a property management company called Home Choice Property Management and it is a residential property management company and I want to welcome you to the show uh, Omar I appreciate you taking time and you know it is a pleasure Omar when I have veteran guests like you who come on and especially with your background it's going to be a fun conversation and uh, you know we're looking to love uh, your all your experiences and learn the best from you so uh, welcome to the show, Omar. Uh, help us get started with, uh, you know, how you sort of came into real estate. What was your background like? You know, help us get started there. Sure, absolutely, Sakar. And th- thank you very much for having me on your show. Um, so early on, uh, me and my partner and my partner, his name is Jeffrey Spinner, wanted to get involved into uh, multifamily properties and owning larger apartment complexes. And we realized that knowing as much as we can about the property management side of the business Mm -hmm. uh, was really going to help us out to once we, uh, once we got into the ownership side of things. So we helped out a couple of people that needed property management um, Mm -hmm. here locally. Um, They were actually trying to sell a property Mm-hmm. Um, in the in the city of Riverside uh, mm-hmm. here in, in uh, Southern California, that's mm-hmm. uh, a, a pretty well known uh, city in the uh, Inland Empire, mm-hmm. and they were trying to sell it, but they didn't have uh, good uh, financials at the time that they can produce to a buyer, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. they can kind of vet the deal and uh, and uh, see if it made sense. So, mm-hmm. um, and we were we were hungry at the time to uh, really you know get into of property management and all that. So we said, look, let's, uh, I, we can create a win-win here. We'll manage the operations. We'll find you tenants. We'll deal with the uh, tenants that are there and, and uh, I'll respond to their needs. We'll get you some good financials there that you can produce to a seller. And, you know, and then uh, you'll be able to sell the property. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Awesome. That's how it worked out. Awesome. Awesome. So now, um, uh, Omar, you came into the field, uh, was that doing the single uh, family home flips uh, first on and then you took on uh, the property management and branched into multifamily? Is that kind of how it, uh, the path of progression was for you? Yes, but we didn't do very, we weren't doing very many flips. We weren't really mm-hmm. focused on flips. Um, the flips just mm-hmm. kind of landed on us because, you know, back at that time, and, you know, when we were doing the property management, 
was just before the recession hit. So we really kind of straddled that, you know, from 2006 to 2008. So we really saw, you know, the good times coming up and then the change and then, you know, the downturn. And there was tons, there was tons of short sales at that time. I mean, that was all the uh, short sales and REOs. Absolutely. I I relate to that, um, you know, sort of the 08 pandemic, uh, as I call it, you know, you, I mean, I'm a realtor myself, and I can clearly relate that, you know, all of our uh, sort of the MLS, the realtor database was full of REO properties, short sales, foreclosures, you name it, that was only the name of the game at the time. And, And it took many years for that inventory to sort of phase out. And I think the, uh, it's interesting that we are talking about that uh, era uh, here, Omar, is a lot of people, uh, especially the newer investors may not relate, you know, how much the property prices had gone down. Yes. I mean, you could perhaps cash flow a property using the prices or the depressed prices at the time in some of the expensive markets as well, which probably you may not uh, be able to even pencil a deal at today's prices basically uh, would that would that be a right statement omar you're you're absolutely right about that because i remember very vividly um just before just about um just around that time we were actually we actually flew out to dallas texas we were looking at a property out there that you know we already kind of um were close on the pricing and you know, me and my partner flew out with one of our prospective uh, investors as well um and, uh, uh, you know, but we try to retrade on that one. Mm-hmm. And it's probably a good thing because just right after that, that, that you know, that the recession came on and I was looking at stuff in the city of, of uh, San Bernardino, which is another uh, city um, in the Inland Empire where there was tons of foreclosures going on. It was sure. the, the whole mm-hmm. Inland Empire was like the epicenter of the uh, subprime type of loans. Sure. Mm-hmm. And I started seeing some of these multifamily properties, the price per units were very similar to what a price per unit would sell in Dallas, Texas. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I told my, my you know, partner, hey, instead of taking a you know, three, four hour flight, let's just take a one hour drive in our backyard and pick up deals. Out. And, uh, you know, we started small, you know, with a single family home. And then, but we always try to double up the amount of units with each subsequent, you know, deals. Right, um, right, right. Yeah, so like duplex, a sixplex, then 13, then 30, and it just kind of 70, and then it just went from there, you know? Awesome, awesome. Thank you for sharing that progression uh, there, Omar. And, and now uh, you mentioned, let's say, Dallas. Now you acquire deals uh, in Midwest as well as you shared with me in the green room before we started recording, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, help us understand, Omar, that how are you, uh, you know, analyzing the markets and maybe uh, kind of going into further details that, okay, I want specific sub-market, whatever, a Northeast or a Southwest of sorts, right? So give us some tips and tricks about how you evaluate uh, some of the data uh, to, you know, zero in on the markets and the specific sub-markets. Sure, absolutely. Um, the, the, there's, there's a combination of factors that I like to look for. I, I, I like to make sure that, the, that there's a certain amount of population in that market. Now, mm-hmm. say, saying that, I have actually looked at deals in, in what are the what smaller sub-markets. Very mm-hmm. small. Interesting. Um, you know, but that's, um, 
that's strictly due to the numbers. Okay? Sure. So, okay. Sure. But, sure. You know, but generally you want to have, you know, at least a couple of hundred thousand uh, population, uh, if not more. Um, if we get into like the, uh, you know, be between like two and 300, it's a pretty safe market because you, you just market. And then this can even happen in, in big markets, but you don't want to, you want to be careful to stay out of markets that have the possibility their population declines. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. You know, like the, a good example are like the Detroit's out there of the world. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Chicago right now is experiencing a lot of population um, decline, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and 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 in fact, in fact, on our property out there in Indiana, we would routinely get prospective tenants from Chicago mm -hmm. because they were looking for jobs, and they couldn't, mm -hmm. yeah, and they they couldn't they couldn't get any jobs out there in in uh, Chicago, so the jobs were booming there in Indiana, so everybody was coming down over there, so jobs. Population. That's, a, that's 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 a very important factor. Got and, it. And, and going further details, then uh, Omar, there is that. How do you hone in on a specific section of a city or you know sub market as we call it? Oh, do you use any like sort of reports, or are you maybe kind of consulting more uh, on the advice of group brokers of sorts? Uh, give us some sense of you know what your experiences have been into uh, because you know like. I mean, a city, as you, we all know, could be like really big and you wouldn't know whether, you know, it's a, a safe uh, side of the town or not. So give us some intelligence as to what your experiences have been there. Yeah. Um, one of my census website and now recently for 2020, they've just changed it. <laughs> because um, what you were able to do before, you were able actually to get down to what is called the census tract. Interesting. And, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and what that is, is that every 10 years, you know, when they get the information, which is what's going on right now in 2020, they're asking everybody to, uh, sure. to provide information. Um, now they've done it digitally, but before what they would do is that they would actually send people door to door knocking on people's doors, sure. ask, asking them questions and all that stuff. And so they would break it up into census tracts. And, sure. and this is something I learned at university and I, I decided to apply it here in, uh, in real estate because it was so helpful. But you were able to actually go on census website and, and, and like you said, you know, big city, you know, the average income could be, you know, whatever, 50, 60, $70,000. But and you know, I'm sure Sakar, you're you've experienced this as well. In certain markets, you can be on one street and everything is beautiful, perfect, and all that. Now you go, you know, two, two blocks, blocks over, sure, and it's just a mess. Sure, right? You got Absolutely. crime, you know, and and all that stuff. So, what getting getting this information by the census track? What I was able to do is actually see what the average incomes were mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in this census tract. And the census tracts are going to be more kind of block-based. Sure, it's all very granular, basically. Yeah, extremely granular. So if, and it's broken up by like zero to zero to uh, zero to 10,000 um, income a year, which is very low. Sure. 10, 10 to 15,000, I believe it is, 15 to 25, and so on and so forth. And I would see the percentages. And if the percentages for, 
um, incomes that I believe were zero to 15,000, if that's the highest percentage in that census tract, that's sure. a re- that would be a red flag for me because that tells me sure. um, high, uh, low incomes are predominantly there. So you're probably going to have a lot of crime. Problems um, there. Absolutely. A lot of problems. Exactly. So that was a, a very important tool that helped me to get to the granular, granular level as far as, you know, whether um, um, the area was, was good or not. Sure, sure, sure. Now, uh, Omar, you are uh, such an important guest with such an immense experience of property management, which in my opinion is such a huge key for your uh, success uh, going towards multifamily, right? Um, help us understand, Omar, that, uh, you know, what are some of the value add things that you've done in your properties and your assets and how how was your sort of experience of property management uh helped you to be more successful because you just knew better you know uh so if you could maybe perhaps share some experiences uh, of some value adds and some uh, uh things that you have done in your career but greatly appreciate that yeah sure absolutely in fact uh uh, on uh, one of our previous deals, we actually, when we acquired it, uh, you, you know, you have some properties where the ownership pays the utilities and some properties where, you know, tenants pay the utilities. And sure. mm-hmm. sometimes it depends on the market. In this particular property, the seller was paying the utilities on it. Interesting. And, mm-hmm. and so we kind of did a survey of what was going on out there. And we said, you know what? This is a property where we can actually transfer the utilities over to the tenants. Wow. And mm-hmm. so, so that was a huge value add play there for us that saved us a, a tons amount of money there. Mm-hmm. And so we just, we, we gave the instructions to our onsite management there to, uh, to, do, to do that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and also upgrades as well on, on the inside of the properties. And there's some things that you can do relatively low cost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. okay uh stuff or things that people actually like touch that are tangible mm-hmm. um cost improvements that you can do that i like to do on, on the properties are things like ceiling fans mm-hmm. um ceiling the inexpensive and if you get the right ones uh there's some of them that kind of have like kind of like that uh not not the chrome but like the brushed nickel finishes on them sure um because they're a big item they're kind of they're very uh visually um 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 you know i guess attractive there so sure, sure sure they look so they I had the nickel finish itself looks high end basically. Yes, exactly. So that kind of gives a perception you there a higher value. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing with sinks. Um, on, on some properties, you kind of see kind of these cheapy little uh, uh, faucets, I should say, the faucets mm-hmm. that um, there's some very inexpensive ones out there. But if you put like a nice little gooseneck one, you know, that's, that's chromed out or that just, and, and they're, they're not very expensive. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm affordable you know so I, I heard a long time ago things that people touch you know like the knobs doorknobs as well um i already said fixtures the light fixtures as well you know there's kind of a term out there they say the uh, the home depot style stuff um some of the home depot stuff you know can look very very dated very cheap but there's some stuff also as well that if you just kind of take it just a little bit up it's not going to cost you you know another you know 50 100 bucks but sure 
it's going to give uh, that perception of a higher value. Mm-hmm. And so ways to, uh, to do upgrades. Now, um, appliances are also a uh, big thing. If you go with the, you know, the, the, the trend now is going with this, with the stainless steel sure. mm-hmm. uh, appliances. Um, typically you would see the white appliances and then the trend was to go with the black appliances and now it's the stainless steel appliances. So it's, it's always kind of going up. Um, an, another of the trends now is also with the flooring, the, uh, the, they call it the LVT uh, vinyl flooring. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. That's become very, it's got that wood kind of feel and texture to it, but it's not actually wood. It's actually vinyl mm-hmm. and it looks very good. Um, so done that and, uh, and sometimes also, you know, depending on the kitchens too, you know, you, it, it, uh, and it depends on the property too, Sakar, you know, it's, sure. uh, um, if you're going to do a whole overhaul in the kitchen, you know, all new cabinetry fixtures and all that, mm-hmm. um, you know, that obviously is going to boost the value there and you're going to be able to get higher rents on that, um, now, Omar, what about uh, any like exterior components, like let's say the landscaping, oh, yeah. the, uh, uh, you know, let's say the exterior painting, or perhaps that maybe the drive-in, all that stuff? Yeah. I mean, on the exterior, definitely. Um, um, what what I'd like to do sometimes is also kind of rebrand the property, depending on what the, you know, some properties have really weird names to them that sure. uh, mm-hmm. don't really... Uh, yeah, I think they were relevant in 80s, but perhaps, you know, as the new population comes in and the demographics change around the area, I think it makes probably a lot more sense to, you know, rebrand and rename them, right? Yes, yes. And I've noticed, too, that uh, in, uh, especially in Houston, Texas, we, we, own, we own some properties there in Houston, Texas, a large Latino population out there, a lot of Mexicans out there. So, <laughs> um, you know, one of my partners out there, uh, he had some properties there that uh, kind of had a... Uh, um, you know, uh, like I remember one of his properties was called Allegra Palms, mm-hmm. you know, so the Allegra kind of has like a, uh, like a Spanish connotation in there. So if you can kind of, you know, you know, pepperina or something like that, that's got a Spanish, it's, it, it's not going to like sound completely, you know, Spanish, but you know, there's a word that, you know, that, uh, that Latinos say, Oh, that sounds like they might, you know, yeah, be more of those people, um, there, you know, then, then, you know, they'll be motivated to put in an application there. Sure. 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 You try to maybe appeal the property to a diverse set of folks, I guess. Right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Um, and if you can afford to do it, you know, put new windows, cause there's still a lot of properties out there that have those old aluminum, you know, single pane windows. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that absolutely boosts, boosts the, uh, value on a property. It's going to be quite more, uh, you know, costly. Um, so you got to kind of factor it into your numbers, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, now you have assets in many different states, uh, Omar. Uh, do you, uh, like, how do you manage that all third property management? Uh, could you maybe help us understand that? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. I, I always try to uh, work with property management, property management CPM designation mm-hmm. and a CPM it's 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 uh you know it's just initials that they put at the end of their name it means certified property manager mm-hmm. and those are folks that have taken extra education and schooling and put in um 
a certain amount of hours Mm-hmm. Because those are people that are that are career for focused towards property management. Okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Now, yeah, now it's not always a uh, uh, a total risk elimination because I've even had to fire some of those guys. <laughs> you know, <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. So, but but that's that's one way to at least reduce that risk there because um, sure. you know they just have better um, better knowledge. Got it. Got it. Now, Omar, with the COVID pandemic hitting, right? I mean, a lot of tenants have lost jobs or a lot of folks have their hours reduced at their jobs, right? So the incomes have been impacting. And I know, you know, the collections in the properties are also sort of, uh, you know, varying depending on which month you look at. And it is going to be, I think, very hard to analyze deals moving forward because you would have some choppy months of, uh, you know, sort of the NOI during that time, right? So help us understand, like, you know, like, what is your take on, uh, or, or, you know, like, what advice would you share uh, for investors uh, in the coming months who are looking at some of the deals and things like that? Or perhaps what you would also uh, go back and like if a deal is presented to you, let's say in August, September, and you know that the pandemic just hit. Uh, so what are some of the things you can advise for folks uh, going through this right now? Yeah, certainly. Uh, you definitely want to see where your break even point is. Mm-hmm. and figure out what what occupancy is going to get you to that point because then that at least you don't want to go below that mm-hmm. um but you want to kind of see where that floor is there because mm-hmm. uh um that kind of tells you you know when when uh if, if people aren't paying the rent and you know you just want to be aware of what that occupancy or vacancy number is really sure mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. so that's 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 but right now it's still almost kind of the uh oh, like the testing phase right now because uh su- surprisingly um we've had very few people that have had actually actually issues with uh with paying the rent you know there mm-hmm. have been a few people that um in fact um just uh, uh just recently we had a, a a couple that you know they lost their jobs um, but they communicated with us. And that's very important, actually, sure. to, um, if you can set the relationship from the beginning with your tenants, that they know that, uh, you know, as long as you communicate with us, you know, we're going to be able to work with you. Absolutely. Okay? As Absolutely. best as we can. You know, some people, you know, if, if, if they can't pay rent, you know, there's not much you can do about that. Sure, but, as, sure. mm-hmm. but as long as there's that understanding, you communicate with us, we will do to work with you and help you out. Sure, sure. Now, uh, Omar, I know you've been having such a long career and a wealth of experience. Um, share with our listeners, Omar, that, uh, you know, what is some of the great advice you have received over time from uh, whether it was your fellow investors or uh, other senior investors or perhaps your mentors at the time? Uh, give us some tidbits about uh, what is some of the best advice you have received so far that has kind of stayed stayed you true to your discipline and helped you in your career so far? Yeah, sure. A- absolutely. And, uh, you know, I've gotten tons of advice and it's interesting because actually as, you know, the years have gone by, um, you know, some of the advice, you know, had to be upgraded, I guess, you know, cause uh-huh. I remember, I remember early on, um, you know, the idea was as far as a unit mix is concerned, mm-hmm. 
that you wanted to have more two bedroom units in your property than one bedrooms. Mm -hmm. So you wanna, you wanna have at least 50% two bedrooms. Mm -hmm. and, and, and the thinking was that, you know, um, people in one, in one bedroom units are gonna be more, trans, you're gonna have more turnover sure, in those sure. units. Mm -hmm. And some, sometimes that does happen, but you know, over the years I've noticed that the demand for the one bedroom units um, in certain locations sometimes is even higher than the two bedroom units. Sure. Mm -hmm. okay? And I think that has something to do with, you know, the changing of the demographics with the, uh, with the millennials and, and you know, the, the new generation that they, they, they put off, you know, getting married. So um, there, there's more people living, you know, by themselves. Sure. 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 Mm -hmm. Want their own. So that was something that early on, um, the, the other thing also kind of having to do with, uh, with bedrooms, uh, you know, one of my partners, he, he told me like, he didn't like properties that had too many three bedroom units. Interesting. Uh, mm -hmm. as, as, um, particularly if they were master metered. Oh, because, I see. Mm -hmm. because what he would see is that the water expense was always higher. Sure. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was, it was just harder to control because I had so much more people taking showers, you know, washing their hands, using the toilets. So that was an expense that he noticed early on. Mm -hmm. um, now, considering that now, I'm, I'm kind of on the fence on that now because the way I'm seeing a uh, lack of affordable housing out there, mm -hmm. I actually think that the demand it's in the future, you know, and, and this depends how values go, but if, I think it's, it's, there's going to be more demand for three bedroom units, um, just as, you know, simply because, you know, it's going to be more affordable for, you know, a, 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 you know, let's say like a young growing couple, they got one, you know, a couple of kids there. It's going to sure. be more affordable for them to rent an apartment than a house, Sure. you sure. know? So, so those, those are a couple of things that, uh, that uh, you know, pieces of, of advice that, that come to mind, and, awesome. and that I've had to kind of adjust. Awesome, awesome. I appreciate that, uh, Omar. Uh, tell our listeners, Omar, how they can learn more about you and find out more about your company. Sure, absolutely. I uh, I actually have a blog uh, that you know it's it's all my learning on my website. If you go to www.larueinvestments.com. Uh, and the spelling is a, it's a L E R U followed by investments with an S at the end.com. And, uh, at you know, the, the blog articles there, they're all stuff that, you know, from my personal experience. I appreciate you sharing all the original content, uh, Omar. Uh, it is rare to have, uh, you know, guests with such an immense experience, uh, you know, learn through the, you know, hard knocks and going through the downturns and, you know, coming on the other side and still doing deals by, uh, by the way, you know, so it is a uh, pleasure to welcome you to the podcast and thank you for your time today. I appreciate it very much. Uh, my pleasure, Sakar, and uh, I appreciate you putting this uh, great podcast for people out there to uh, learn from you. You're doing a great job out there. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate it very well. And I look forward to chatting with you in future as well as, you know, more deals you do. Thank you so much for your time today. Absolutely. Take care. Take care. 
Thanks for listening to Premium Cashflow Real Estate Investing Podcast. Please join us at premiumcashflow.com to sign up for weekly updates, research articles, and more. We will see you again for another great interview with an expert guest.